This is Sporting Max with Max Becker on SEN. Welcome back to another episode of Sporting Max. Thanks to Bastion Recruitment. Better conversations, stronger outcomes. Head to bastiongrp.com.au for your specialist recruiting needs in defence, engineering and construction. Today, we're with a man who's well-known in journalism, well-known in the media industry, hosts the Sunday footy show alongside Kane Corns, who is coming up on the Sporting Max podcast. His name's Damien Barrett. Damo, welcome. How are you? Hey, Max. Uh, good to meet you, mate. And apologies for uh, it being uh, a while since you first... Uh approached, mate. So uh, again, seriously, sorry, but we're here. That's all right, Damo. It's actually allowed me to, you know, you know, have a bit of patience in the media industry to learn how to get um, and secure the big guys. Like, oh, like, like, don't start this stuff already. <laughs> like, like yourself. But I want to get straight into it, Damo. Just, just before we start, I, I feel like I've been stalked by you. So you had the uh, issue of, uh, of uh, going public with my management saying no to you initially, which is which was a slight stretch. Now, I had an, an uncle of yours uh, stop me in the street yesterday about uh, about this interview. And name? Then, uh, name? Ah, uh, he did say it. I forget. And then also had a manager of yours grab me at a function. Yes, Chris. The, yes, he told me about and I that. I think Chris has got a brother. Is that right? No. TJ. Yeah, he's got a couple of. That's who I might have seen yesterday. Yep. Then maybe. In, Chris's uh, brother in Albert Park. Albert Park. TJ. Yep. 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 TJ. Brendan. Uh, one of those rings a bell. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, <laughs> we're here. We're here. We're here. <laughs> <laughs> now I want to get straight into it, Damo. Trade Radio this week. You're hosting from three p.m. onwards. Obviously today. What are the big trades you're looking most forward to? Obviously, Brody Grundy deals soon to come. Bobby Hill deal's been made to go to Collingwood. We've got Jaden Hunt going to West Coast. What's the biggest deal? Obviously, Brody Grundy with that salary dump of Collingwood is probably the biggest outcome in this offseason. Yeah, it is. And and the whole salary dump component, Max, as you as you know, is becoming the the new vogue um, for clubs that have got themselves into into bother when it comes mm-hmm. to long term deals. The the Jason Horn Francis story to me right now as we speak, is going to be the dominant one for, for what lies ahead, given that we haven't seen this happen since Tom Boyd and it was at the end of 2014 after he'd been in the system for mm-hmm. for one year at the GWS Giants and then left as part of that um, negotiation that, that had uh, Ryan Griffin go from the Bulldogs to the Giants initially and he ended up being a, a Bulldogs player. So we haven't seen it happen since then. The number one draft pick, one year into his time, go. And it's uh, it's going to cause all sorts of problems for, for North on, on lots of levels. And as we know, North's going through some other problems in the, the coach space as well. Well, who was signed initially, they're paying him $700, $750,000 a year, North Melbourne. Now, Kane Calls labelled this on Trade Radio, the early trade early this morning, alongside Matthew Lloyd as irresponsible of the people who have left the club in that position. This is the Brody Grundy thing. Sorry, which this is Jason Horn Francis, right at North Melbourne. At North Melbourne. Yeah, look, I I'm critical of North's handling of, of Jason as well, Max, and I say that because they obviously made him the number one draft pick last year and and and, and chose him um, on the back of what he displayed at, in South Australian footy yep. for two years prior. But in terms of creating an environment for, for someone. To, to want to feel welcomed. I, I don't think they did that at all well. And as we know, um, half a season into his time in the game, they sacked their own coach at the time. There were attitude issues, but I, I don't feel from an outside looking in that, that up until that point they'd done enough to convince him and, and feel and make him feel as though he was always going to stay at, at Melbourne and, and at North Melbourne particularly. So, yeah, it's not a complete 
surprised that he's officially sought to, to leave. And, and that is on North Melbourne's head. As much as, as they will say it's on Jason Horn Francis's head to not embrace them. But it is equally to blame. So the other big one is obviously Brody Grundy leaving Collingwood Magpies. I've spoken with Steel Sidebottom throughout the week. He said Grundy is most likely to go. How do you view that? Obviously, getting rid of that salary, they're going to pay that $300,000 a year, and mm. then Brody Grundy's agreed to take a pay cut while he plays with Melbourne. Does that put the Ds in a p- potential and take them an extra step further, having the two best ruckmen in the competition at their club? I like it from a Melbourne perspective. I, I can't wait to see how it works with, with Gorn um, being the best ruckman in the comp by some way, and was again this year, despite it not being his best season of those six. He's now got an All-Australian jacket in. But two of those six jackets that Gorn has got, he shared the All-Australian role with Brody Grundy. In fact, one year mm-hmm. Brody Grundy, I think, was a the standout choice and the main choice as, as Ruckman. So that's the talent you've got. What, what I do question is that next year, as far as my calculations go, Max, that they'll still be playing Adam Trelaw something like $300,000 to play for the Bulldogs. They've already paid mm-hmm. that amount per year, 2021 and 2022, I, be- I believe. Now, yep. I could be wrong on this third year of this, but they've certainly paid that type of amount the past two years. If they're paying that amount on Trelaw next year and Grundy, do the maths, that's 600 or thereabouts – of wage that is going to other clubs' ability to, to use those players. It, it's, it's highly questionable. They're not the only club doing it. They're not the, not the only club trying to dump salary as part of the negotiations now. But it doesn't make sense to me to, for Collingwood to fall short in a preliminary final and, and then to lose someone they deemed to be their best player only three years ago when they re-signed him to that deal, Brody Grundy. Yeah, and it was a seven-year deal. So it was a substantial deal. We can hear talks now about how clubs can sign – Obviously, Jacob Hopper, if he signs a seven-year deal, for example, GWS, which may be highly unlikely, then that gives him extra room to move in the future if he mm. would like to pursue other opportunities beyond that. I don't think that, that was never a question when it came around time for Collingwood to sign Brody Grundy on that seven-year deal. Yeah, and it was done under a different regime too. Nathan Buckley was still coach. Eddie Maguire was still President and and as we know, Eddie got himself involved in those conversations and 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 col- contracts at that level and magnitude do make their way to the board. And Eddie had this uh, way about him where he'd put the chest out proverbially to the public, and no one's going to take our player. Whereas there's a bit more of a diplomatic view on on that club right now, and and they'll make the right decision at that point in time. Yep. And and having Grundy on that type of deal right now to the current people is not that right decision. I still think it's the wrong decision for what it's worth to, to move him out right now, but that's the call they've made. And, and clearly there's been a conditioning component to that for Brody himself and and the other clubs who have known about this since I think as far back as even March or April of this year. So mm-hmm. when it does become formal uh, in the next couple of days that he's going to Melbourne, it's um yeah the conditioning component's already out there. There's no shock attached to that anymore. So, Damien, I want to get into your career. So how did you start off... When you were a kid, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, and then gone, obviously, through your adolescent and teenage years, what were you like then? You asked that question and you've just turned 15, yeah? Is that right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> when I was a kid. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I, I probably, it would have been, I would have been about your age, I reckon, when I yep. first realised I really loved writing um, and as such wanted to become, in those days, there was no thought 
in my mind anyway, of doing anything broadcast-wise, was just the old-fashioned print. I, newspaper, yeah. I was obsessed with newspapers, even at a very young age. I, I can recall being, um, you know, six, seven, eight, and even five. I, I don't have the memory of five, but I know I've got clippings from North Melbourne, who I barrack for, winning that year's premiership in 1975. And yep. then there were colour spreads of the 1977, <laughs> yep. which for the time, the newspaper wasn't in colour, but they would, on the Monday editions, have the colour spread. So... Um, that's yeah. I've always been obsessed with with newspapers. I'm I'm probably not as obsessed with them now, and I don't think the world is either. But that was the link, and and again, sort of put myself back into the age bracket that you're in. At, at, at 15, I still had the absolute you know love of the written word and the and the passion. I had no idea what it was going to look like, and and and, and no um, no uh, knowledge of what had to be done at that point. But yeah, I I did love the writing part of it, and always um. Yeah, always wanted to do something if I could in that space. During you know the early stages, you were covering Sheffield Shield cricket. Can you take <laughs> yeah. can you take me through yeah. through that for you writing about the Sheffield Shield and Marsh Cup and things like that? Yeah, well, Hutchie loves this story. Uh, but it even goes back further than that. My first year, I was a um, as a copy kid basically, which doesn't exist anymore. But you were the office gopher. You'd go mm-hmm. and get the coffees literally, and go, you'd be sent down the street on a Sunday to go and get a hamburger for the editor, and and you'd, you'd I actually be, offered that to do. For Mark Howard last year. Did you? What did he say? I I went to Luke, you know Luke Tunners? Yeah. So I went to him at Jam TV and I said, look, I said. Good mates with Tunners and Howie. Yeah. And I said, I want to be your coffee man. I said, I'll I'll do anything. I said, I'll go get your coffee. I said, I'll go get your egg and bacon rolls. And he said, we might just hold off on that one. Did he? Yes. Didn't want want your services? No, no, well, I was just like, oh, and then I went out to some other people in media and went, you know, I'll just be a coffee. And they're like, oh, no, you know, we don't, we don't want you getting coffee for us. And I'm like, yep, no worries. Okay, I'll but just. But you're prepared to do it. Yeah, I was prepared, yeah. I'm prepared to do it, yeah. I could tell. Um, look, to me, it was the best grounding you'd ever get because of the exposure to the highest levels of the office, the like the editor and the editor-in-chief mm-hmm. and the the chief sports writers and the chief political writers. So, again, you don't, in the context of that, and like you, clearly just that's all you want to do is just be associated with those people. And getting the coffee was almost a privilege, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So so that's where it's – and then, sorry, the reason I raised that is because um, there was – I was given the district cricket round, like the grade cricket round. But back in those days, Dean Jones, who was a superstar Australian, Mm -hmm. he would play district cricket in the early parts of a season. He'd want to play district cricket um, for for Melbourne Cricket Club. And Merv Hughes would bowl for for Footscray. Tony Dottermaid would be playing district cricket. All all these great – Simon O'Donnell was was playing. (laughs) And Shane Warne was was just making his way through, having come out of the Australian Institute of Sport. They'd wanted to play district cricket. So – um, yeah, that's that was some early reporting days, but you'd, you'd go and file um, on a on a on a Saturday afternoon when when stumps were, were drawn. You'd, you'd file um, thirty five centimeters or whatever mm-hmm. it is these days, uh, fifteen twenty paragraphs of what happened in district cricket. So yeah, and then, and then it became shield cricket and mm-hmm. yeah, a bit of a, a sort of fringe international stuff. But yeah, that was the uh, the cricket reporting days. So did you go to university and get a journalism degree, or just go straight into? The industry. Yeah, I, I went straight in. I I, um, I got into what was then the RMIT journalism course, which was the I think it was the only journalism course. But I yeah, in Melbourne, yeah. yeah I I said no. Well, I got into it, but I, I didn't take up the offer on it. Um, I actually took an arts degree at Melbourne, which I I actually from memory sat in on for nearly a term, or, or not maybe not quite a term, but. So did, did that include visual arts too? Or? No, I don't know what it included. I had no idea. I, I, yeah, but I had started work and, 
And weirdly enough, I started work before I even got my year 12 results. And, and yep. as such, the Sun, as it was then, before it merged with um, the Herald to become the Herald Sun, mm. um, they did want to know what your results were. But but I'd been given a job, as other intake that you had been given, before year 12 results came out. Yep. We, we didn't get our results till the January, I think, of, of that year after. And that was, um, just to give you the time frame, Max, which makes me feel uh, very old, uh, that was, uh, I finished school in 1988. But, but yeah, in 1989, I did go to Melbourne University for maybe a term or not or half a term of an arts degree, which I yeah, made the decision on the run to not pursue because I was already working. So, yeah, went all in on just um, on, on that on that part of it. So how do you how did you find writing from the Herald Sun? Obviously, when you came across to Croc Media, joined up with Craig Cutch, and you became more a bit more opinionated, I guess to to say that to say the least, or that matter of fact, how, what was that transitional stage like for you, where you go from being a journalist to then being once you get have that opinion and the knowledge. In, an experience, obviously, an in industry, then you can go into broadcasting and things like that. Yeah, well, Hutchie, um, and again, he's spoken about this, and 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 we talk rubbish, as you know, on the uh, sounding board, and he often raises this part of it. He, he got me out of the Herald Sun. It would have been, oh, I don't know, two thousand and eight or nine or what it was. So I, I wasn't young. I mean, I was probably it was it was, it was a risk in, in yep. that in that stage of my life because I, I did love the paper as much as I criticise it from the outside looking in and people there know I, I did love it and will always be grateful for what it, it, it did for me personally but but more so what it did for I think media full stop but yeah so I wasn't young Max when I did it I mean it was it was actually a risk when I think back on it now at the age of 39 or 40 or whatever it was in that year I did go um, to leave and, and you're right that the public side of it was was there but but obviously then going to work for what was still a a, a very um, big show, the footy show. It might have been, in fact, it was from its glory days on the on the downward slide, even mm-hmm. at that stage. Through no one's fault, it just had its time in the game. And I see when I say that, it probably was still near the peak actually when I when I first got there. And I say that because it really began to sink towards you know two thousand seven, two thousand sixteen. Yeah, one touchy left. One touchy left. Yeah, you can trace it back to that period. Um, but it, it, the public side of it obviously kicked in, and and um, I've all, I. I I don't like. I hate the public side of it, but mm-hmm. but it's but it but it in you you obviously then um, there's benefits to the public side of it too, which which you, you factor all in. But if if you had a choice, I would totally remove the public side of it and just go back to to what it was that that I think you seem to enjoy, just the the actual you know the craft of of media and and in my um, starting point was the the written side of it. So what when you mentioned that written side. How did you expand, I guess, on using extensive language when you're describing different scenarios in, I guess, yeah. sports? It's, it's certainly different. And, and what, um, and I probably didn't realize this early enough, because uh, I still reckon in the early days I was uh, conveying the story the way I would in print and almost reading out a print mm-hmm. article. And, and again, there's just little nuances you can pick up on. Hutchie was always the other way. And in, in those days, he was still sort of bobbing in and out every second or third Thursday, trying to have his two bobs worth. And he was always <laughs> saying, just deliver it harder sort of thing. And, and I probably didn't pick up on that early enough. And I still don't. I, I don't think I'm a natural when it's all, in fact, I'm, I'm certainly not a natural at, at anything when it comes to the broadcast side of it. But you learn little 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 tricks and nuances. That you, not, not tricks. You just learn that. And, and what I suppose back to your point, um, I, I realised probably way too slowly that it mattered less what what actually you said, but how you said it, that was what the public took yep. out of it. And when you think of it that way, it's a pretty shallow sort of existence. <laughs> so so therefore, you then got the presentation side of it, which um, I don't think uh, has ever been a, a massive strong suit. 
You don't think your presentation side's been a strong not suit? Not on TV. No, well, not, not, not on... I, I think you've got a strong suit in that. Yeah, well, thank you, but uh, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> so, so before we get into TV and how you got in with the AFL writing, when you go to present on air, what's your biggest story? Is it... Obviously, I could assume it maybe the Essendon Supplement Saga that you broke. What's the biggest... Is that the biggest story you've ever broken in your career? Look, it, it, it was, Max, because it was probably close to... Without... Um, knowing exact timelines, there was probably up to up to 12 months of time put into mm-hmm. it. Now, that, that's that's not to say it was a daily check-in on the story, but the time frame between first hearing of it and and, and going with it, it would have been close to that. Um, and obviously, the, the I mean, you get fearful in this caper and, and, and knowing mm-hmm. what potentially was going to unfold in that, you had to just dot every I and cross every T. And you do anyway. I mean, that's for any comment even, you you need to do that. And that that's the still moment. Because the, the things blow up in this caper. The moment your voice and your, and your word is out there, it, it can go anywhere. So when you've got to make those type of claims and accusations and allegations, you, you needed to have it. And um, the reason I did go with it in, in, the, in that time frame was I ended up getting a player on camera, you know, admitting to, and it was a quote from that player, Cole Remus, who, who said, and admitted to what I'd put to him, and that was that, yeah, we, we as a club, I'm paraphrasing, we're, we're told we're going to push this right to the edge. We're going to, you know, really, um, really yep. jam the envelope, so to speak. And it was just, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, you know, a, lo- a lock up the case uh, type of quote, but it was just a confirmation the club had said to the players at the very least, we're going to push this right to the the line. So once I had that in on camera, and I still sat on that for too long. For I want to say it's too long. I was still trying to get everything else married up, and then, and then obviously other things took hold. Where I just I had to go with it in the time. I was about two weeks away, just in, in the storytelling sense mm-hmm. um, of being able to to put it on to the footy show. Yep. As, but I lost that control of that timeline for for obvious reasons. We still got it out there, you know, um, in a way that was was first, but but not the way I'd sort of planned to be. I I didn't know what I was going to do either, by the way, when it came to that plan. It was just going to be on the footy show is what I'd been working toward in that off-season. So how long did you spend roughly in that? Obviously, you invested a lot of time over those 12 months. How much of that time do you spend investigating into that report? I... Dozens, if not hundreds of hours when it's all said and done. And that, that, that's just, I mean, that can be a conversation that for 45 minutes, you know, on, on the phone when you're, you know, just having a, an exploration of a certain part of it, um, you know, go, flying interstate to, you know, not on record, obviously, but but yep. interview people or at least get a, a briefing on someone who was close to it, um, preparing it, writing it. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not. Yeah, what you end up seeing go to where sometimes it's it's a minute or forty five seconds on certain reports, but it might be dozens of hours in, yep. in in compilation before that moment, and that's just the the job the way it is. It could be a thousand word article, and you spend millions of hours put, putting yeah, your time and effort into it. But equally, you can sometimes be asked something on the run and have an uh, have an opinion which you hadn't thought about to that point in time, and and the world, the media world being the way it is now, that can then take off and explode yep. and you've given it zero thought, you know, so as you put no time into that other than, you know, that that's your answer to that question at that point in point in time. And, and equally that, that to sort of back to the, the point um, before, I think it's become a little bit superficial in what we do. In fact, it's become very superficial in what we do. It's the, it's the need for everyone, myself included, to just get that quick hit of a, of a headline and, and make a statement and, and make a claim and at, at the expense of, Doing what we all um, – what the, what the nature of the, um, I think, media did once upon a time and, and just go and check everything to an nth degree before you'd um, dare go public. 
Yeah, absolutely. So then can you tell me about how you joined forces with Croc Media and Craig Hutchison? Yeah, well, Hutchie, Hutchie uh, had the idea to um, to basically get out of the role he had on the footy show. But but the reason he wanted to do that, he, he started the company called Croc Media and, he, and it's a very different company now to what it was back then. But, but he felt that he couldn't put any near enough time into that side of it while still mm-hmm. being required to do the... The footy show. So he, yeah, he identified me as, as that person to um, to basically take over that side of his work life at that point in time. Um, that was the entry into it. Um, and then then he sort of very quickly got out of it. Um, mm-hmm. my, I th- my first contract there was to only, I think it was only to have six appearances on the on the footy show. So, wow. so to leave the, the full-time yep. gig at the Herald Sun. But again, I, I took him at, at full face value and, and full trust that, that this would move into something else, and and it did pretty quickly. In fact, I think it moved into the more permanent role, so to speak, quicker than the the contract you know stated. But that that's what was written and submitted in terms of the contract. So it's probably seven years now since the sounding board started. Yep. Can you take me through that journey for yourself and Craig Hutchison and building that connection and relationship that we see in the podcast now? Yeah, that um, I'd been sort of on Hutchie about doing that and I don't think he wanted to do it. And, and I, I knew from the outset if we were going to do it together, I needed his commitment every yep. single week for an hour. You know what he's like. Um, and getting him for an hour every week without it being, oh, listen, can we push push it back half an hour? Can we push? Because everyone's pretty busy. So, well, And to what, his credit. Wasn't he that bagged you? Uh, it was a week or so ago. And he was, I think he might have been in Sydney or Adelaide or something like that. And... It was yourself or him who had pushed it back an extra week or so, an extra few days, because you were meant to record on the Tuesday or yeah. Monday, and you ended up recording on the Thursday yeah. after Queen Elizabeth died. I, I think that week in question, Max, was when I actually had uh, to uh, tend to a medical issue that, that was um, potentially serious, but wasn't, but but... I don't think he liked the fact that I'd push it back three or four days, yeah, even though there's nothing I could do about it. So, and, and I don't miss, I mean, much as he bags me for having the, what he says to his 22 weeks annual leave, I have 10 and I don't have any days off in between. So, um, but yeah, look, that, that um, origins of that conversation, I just wanted to do a, a show about media because I reckon there is a fascination with it. And as much as we can go behind the scenes, I think people do like it when we do. And, and we're both conflicted, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. Hachi more than I am, I must say. Uh, and I think he's changed his, his demeanour over the journey on that in that space. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's um, – I, I reckon it's still almost untapped as to what goes on behind the scenes. I'm, I'm convinced that the meetings that, that organisations have, for particularly TV shows, yep. if you could find a way to broadcast the meeting as opposed to the show, that's far better content. But you can't because of the way people speak. It yeah, would, behind the, behind you, you wouldn't actually, it wouldn't be allowed to go to air. It wouldn't be allowed to go to air. So, yeah. but I, I'm convinced of that, that, that if you talk about drama and that's what media is these days, that the meeting of certain shows, and you'd probably find that too in, in, I'd imagine movies too, like the meetings about the scene would be mm-hmm. better than the scene itself. I reckon because of the, probably the language it's used at times, yeah. and, which, which also makes Under it. And the discussions appeal. that take place. Under those discussions yeah. that take place. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that's what we sort of tried to create with um, the sounding board and, yeah, whether we yeah, I I I I love the product, and I think um, I think really this was not an intent, but I think it might have um, I think it softened him, and I think it might have just softened you know the 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 seriousness that to which you got to be viewed you know by people. Yep. Yeah, I think it might have not not that that was the intent of it, and and I think it's probably angered as many people as well. By the way, because you you probably um to use that phrase I used before, you do push the line 
on what you have by way yep. of conversation behind the scenes. Because because ultimately, as a journalist, you, you trust, to me, that's the only thing you've ever got. As, as in, that's your main selling point. And, mm-hmm. and and while the public has a view of a journalist that they're the least trustworthy people, um, ask the people in society in the positions at, at footy clubs, in state politics, federal politics, the highest levels of business, I would, I would argue that those people who are in those positions at CEO and, and chairperson, mm-hmm. I reckon they would be able to, if they were to be honest, um, say that they trust beat or certain people in journalism more than they would other people they probably work with even. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and I, again, it's all, all you can do is rate, value, you know, the relationship you've got with an individual. And, and I, and I hope I would like to, well, I, I would like to think that people would, would be able to say that if they do talk to me of a nature that is a trust component, that, that, that my word is my word. Now, that doesn't mean you always get the story up. And sometimes you, you know, you, you might see a story be written that you didn't know about. And then you've got the obligation, you've got an obligation to your employer, Max. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm big on that, that you've got to, you've got to hit the mark on, on producing content for whoever's paying you because that's the business. But yeah, if you play the bigger picture game, the trust component, um, I think the longer you're in it might, might actually hold sway. But again, I, in the big picture, the swings and roundabouts nature to it, you might miss that one because of, you know, you've been asked not to touch it at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Hopefully later on, you'll, you know, you'll get the next one. Um, that's the, that's the hope anyway. <laughs> so something that's been sitting in my mind um, all year is obviously you're on Triple M broadcasting during AFL season, but then the sounding board's produced by Sports Entertainment Network. So how does that work in terms of um, cross-radio broadcasting, obviously, because the sounding board sometimes may go to air on SEN? Yeah. Yeah, well, I suppose parts of it do. They, they don't. I mean, again, I suppose what I have um, done without, again, thinking about it too greatly – I'm basically a contractor when it's all said and done, you know, mm-hmm. to, now my main, my main gig is the AFL and, and that's where 98% of my stress or sorry, my, my, your time goes my, to, time, yeah. my, my time in my head goes to anyway. So that, that's the, my, my main job. Mm-hmm. And, and when I say that, that's just my, my physically it's dispersed. And, um, but in terms of the, the main job is the AFL. So yeah. And okay, even trade radio, it's, it's in the SEN studios, obviously yeah. you and I are in the SEN studios yeah. now. I've just, just finished with Hutchie with the, with the sounding board and SEN. So, but again, Triple M understands that and knows that. And, and I spoke to them really early days and they've always been very comfortable and, and very supportive of of me. And and I think I've been able to toe that line. Wait, sorry, I have. I've never, I've never said anything um, that's counter to Triple M, you know, and, and again. Or counteracted either radio station on it. Yeah, and that's not to say I'm holding stuff back. It's just that you know what you're, what you're on and, and, and your obligations are to Triple M on a Friday night, on a Saturday, and, and to prepare for those two periods of time mm-hmm. too. Um, and obviously if there's a story that I have to break, my pe- the people I work for know that it has to go on AFL.com. If I've got the luxury of choice. If I'm on air at the time, yep. all bets are off. But if, if I've got the luxury of, of – Choosing where it goes, it has to go to the the main job, which is the afl.com.au one. So, yeah, but yeah, that's not to say I'm not conflicted. I, I absolutely am, and I reckon that too, Max. Is is um, it's everyone's got them, and we in the media. I'm used to write about people's conflicts in footy, and I think as you get older, you get perspective. Everyone's. I, I mean, I would have been. I <laughs> was conflicted. Conflict, yep. I was conflicted working for the Herald Sun, you know, without realizing at the time because of you know certain relationships and arrangements that that paper had. So, yeah, but I used to, you know bang the desk about conflicts and, and, and you can't have them if, well, everyone has them and yeah. And, and I've, I've got as many as, as anyone. And when it comes to it, it's just, but you can, you certainly can manage them, you know, maybe not to everyone's satisfaction, but you can manage them. Yep. So how'd you get that role at afl.com.au producing 
you know, so many articles and content each week? Yeah, well, that was, um, I suppose, early days, the video show that is still going, Access All Areas. Uh, that was one that I... It was I AFL Daily. Uh, AFL Daily, the podcast, yep. um, that started about... 18 months ago to, it started in 2021, but mm-hmm. the Access All Areas on the, the Monday video show after the round of footy, that's been going for the best part of probably 10 or 12 years now. And and so I was doing that that far ago, initially with Gary Lyon it was, and then Luke Darcy, or Luke Darcy initially, then Gary Lyon. Um, Matty Lloyd's doing it now, obviously. Yep. But I've sort of been there. For, so, so that sort of had me in the building a fair bit. And um, obviously when the when the, when the footy show finished, I was looking maybe in that last year of that contract and and it just, to me, it just seemed a seemed a good fit, and and they were keen, and yeah, that we sort of then became became the the main or the permanent sort of offering, um, whenever that was four four years ago, um, when that when that actually kicked in as the I yep. suppose effectively the, the full time or the main operation. All right, so now yeah. that leads us, and there's a conflict there too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's always a conflict in um, in everything to do with media and daily life. So now, Damo, that leads us into our Monday Distillery question of the week. Oh, you've high, sponsored this. High spirits, clear minds. Monday Distillery is award-winning non-alcoholic beverages. Head to mondaydistillery.com to purchase the drinks with all the spark of good and alcohol-free. <laughs> Available at independent supermarkets, bottle shops, Dan Murphy, Seven Eleven, and Coles. Coles local. Head to Monday Distillery. Dot com. Now, Damo... Our- I see Hutchie's taught you well, Max. <laughs> I've, I've been listening to the sounding board a fair, a fair bit, Damo, over the last few years. Now, question of the week, Damo, is coming off Instagram. And the question comes from a this guy on Instagram. Me. This na- worries me. No warning. Love, Damo. How early in the week do you start preparing the sliding doors article? <laughs> um, not at all early. And I wish I was able to manage time in a way that I could get to... Thursday, at least afternoon, and have some of them at least thought of, let alone um, maybe even completed. So, now nah, sometimes I'm even up after midnight on a you know Thursday going to Friday yep. writing that. So, yeah, but it's a. Uh, I actually do still enjoy doing that one. It's a. It's a. I enjoy putting that together, yep. and it's it's, it's a, good a It's a chance to just have your say on certain topics, and sometimes <laughs> maybe get back at someone who needs to be gotten back at. So, yeah. So another question coming off Instagram. Who are the top five journos you've worked with? Uh, worked with, okay. Um, Mike Sheen was, was one, obviously, who, who I did get to work with very closely there for a period of time. I'm not going to name them in order, but I'll, what I will do is list some people I grew up loving and, and working with. And Daryl Timms has become a really close friend. He was effectively chief footy writer there at the, the Sun yep. there for a long time. Um yeah, Jeff Poulter, another one, Michael Stevens, Tony DeBolfo, Glenn McFarlane, Scott Gullen. So I've, I've worked with and, and been friends with a lot of these people for a, you know, a long period of time. The best journalist I've seen is, is not someone I know that well, but I do, Nick McKenzie at the the age, the guy I've I've called Winks on the sounding board, um, just because I don't think there's anyone near him, and and he's just, he's unbeaten from the moment he <laughs> moment he um, started writing exclusives that I've never seen the like of, and I, I reckon. His work, pound for pound, is as extraordinary a, a portfolio of work in any official capacity in the <laughs> history of this country. I don't think I, I feel, oh, yeah, I feel like about one. Not even no, he's just in a completely different zone and level to to. I think everyone else, in, including including say Mike Sheehan, I, I, and that Mike might hate me saying that, but I reckon Nick McKenzie <laughs> has just got everyone covered by some. By some distance. So now there was a video posted on the Triple M Instagram and socials. 
on, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, it was just after the grand final had been played. Now, Mark Howard was digging into Chief Jason Dunstall a little bit and, you know, he, he he put his man bag on and he he stormed out, give, giving the fingers to all you boys in the commentary box. And you, I see you and Nathan Brown in the background just sitting there nodding your heads like, yep, this is that's Chief. That's Chief. And, and I think what Chief forgot was that these days it's not just a radio broadcast, it's effectively a TV broadcast because of the cameras you, that are locked everyone, off. Everyone can see you. I think Chief forgot that they Multi-media were on there. And, and yeah. mind you, he may have realised that the two and just didn't care and that, that's the Chief. But a bit of theatre attached to, uh, to Chief's actions. And, and that... That that group and Chief, I think Chief was, and you wouldn't you wouldn't probably know this. Chief was actually hosting his own live TV show when Channel Seven went against um, the Footy Show in that period in the nineties when he was still playing for Hawthorne. He hosted, I think it was called Live and Kicking or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. He actually hosted it while still playing and captaining the Hawthorne Footy Club. So he's been doing the um, you know the, the broadcast side of it for a long time. There's no one who's like Chief and. Uh, I remember working early days with James Brasher. He'd, he'd spend sometimes two hours of that, say, pre-show um, production. He might spend 45 minutes to an hour just, just goading him until he'd get to a point where he just snapped. <laughs> but it was worth it. The goading for 45 minutes was worth it for the, for the explosion you usually got. And, and, again, Chief would know that there's a an element of theatre attached to, yep. to not exploding until a certain point in time too. But, yeah, he's a good man, Chief. It's a Sunday footy show. We all know – all the guys he's all like to have a bit of fun. What's been the highlight of this year on the Sunday Footy Show? Was it the My Room Telethon for Kane Corn, 725k run from Adelaide to Melbourne? Yeah, it's it's hard to go past it, isn't it? Uh, I I was at the Footy Show when Shane Crawford started doing those ridiculous uh, yep. physical feats of of also running from Adelaide um, and also riding to Perth, which is another level, I think, just because of the time component to it and the distance, obviously, but. Yeah, it's hard to go past it, and and just the the fear. I never had a fear for Kane uh, that he that he that he wouldn't make it. I just knew he'd, he everyone he would. knew he would make it. Yeah, but I did, and I, I think it's still, but maybe dawning on him um, what a toll it was going to take, and and probably will still take for him to overcome. Mm-hmm. But I had no doubt, no matter what happened to him, even if he if he rolled his ankle on the first climb, um, that he was going to get there. So and he and he did, but he was pretty banged up, wasn't he? He was pretty banged up. It was. He, it was like so almost limping in yeah. to the studios. He looked very tender, yeah, he was. to say the least. And yeah. his back went, and again, he wouldn't admit to this, but his back went early or early-ish. Um, yeah, and, and what I couldn't believe, and not that I was ever going to tell him not to, but I think his first three or four days, he was still running four-minute 45 kilometres. I don't know what you... 60, 60 Ks every day. 65 or 67, Six, I think, on day yeah, one yeah. or two. And then it was, yeah. Can you run a K in that time? In 4.40. Yeah. I think my best is 4.38, 4.35. There you go. What's, what's your best? Uh, I, I actually banged out a 4.30 just when Kane was running to see what I could do. It was, it was an isolated 1K and I got, a, got it down to 4.30. But, yeah, I'm not in great nick at the moment. And, and <laughs> I wouldn't be able to get much faster anyway. But um, hey, you've just turned 15 and we're talking on a Tuesday morning. Not at school? No, not at school this Tuesday morning. I'm, I'll be at school by hopefully 11, 11.30 for the uh, the remainder of the day. I've got some basketball coaching for our little brother's teams after school. So I'm a bit busy. But I want to get into, obviously, working you working for Channel 9. Obviously, that's come through Croc Media and Jam TV and all different kinds of sources. Footy Classified, all different kinds of shows. How have you found them? What's the bi- biggest knowledge and experience you've gained from working on air TV? Uh, yeah, it's in varied forms. Um, I mean, the, the, the craft of it and, and the, 
the hosting. I mean, I, I've got a soft spot as 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 you as you know that Hutchie always uh, reads me about with James Brayshaw's hosting. And I don't think there's a I don't think he's got a peer when it comes to to that. Um, widely, a, widely. I'm, I'm, I don't work with Jared, but yeah. but uh, give me Brayshaw is the to me the the high. I mean, of, of who you work with, of who I work with, yeah, yeah Br- absolutely Brayshaw. Um, and again, he's not for everyone. I get that, and he knows that too. But I don't think there's a better one. Um, in terms of the engaging superstar. engaging every single person in the room, and you know, it probably took me ten years to realize that when he was hosting so the Triple M, and he's still hosting that obviously on a Saturday with a footy. Um, that he's so hell bent, and it's just become second nature to the people who work with him that that he wants the best out of all of them um, mm-hmm. at his own expense. And, he, and to me, he's the best at it by, by some way. And again, the entertainment component to it, again, it's not for everyone. And, and, you know, people would regularly criticize and still do, but I just reckon he's the best by, by some, from the hosting side of it. So yeah, in terms of the, the content, I mean, Ga- Gary Lyon, when I first started the footy show again, one of, um, you've got ex-footballers who comment on the game and you've got ex-footballers who get invested in, in that side of it. And, and Gary to me, always was happy to, to to push and delve and dig deeper into the stories. And I don't think every retired footballer does it. In fact, I think um, a lot choose not to, whereas I think, you know, again, not for everyone, but those two, and they, they were my first two experiences when it, when it came to the full-time movement from the print into the, into the TV yep. side of it. They, they were co-hosting that show at that time. And I worked with them on radio and still do with Jim. And yeah, I, I don't think there's a, there's a better operator um, when it comes to all of that. Yeah, absolutely. So what have, what's been – we've spoken about different moments this year on the Sunday Footy Show. Favourite moment on the Friday huddle? <laughs> there, there's there, there's been a lot. Has it been one of Chief's explosive outbursts or one of Howie's comments? Yeah, or? just trying to work it out. Um, moments. It's funny. When you prepare for certain things, Max, it, you have a sense of dread on certain weeks, particularly that show because – Rightly or wrongly, and we might have lost our way as we often do uh, throughout the you course. You go on of something during the week, you go on anything, and they're straight into straight in, yeah. How he goes on Dylan Friends, bang. That, yeah, Snap. yeah. And you, you, you get the feeling when you walk in at say five twenty, five fifteen, five thirty to, to go on air at six. If you've got eye contact, and if you haven't got eye contact, you know that you're going to be the focus of the first fifteen yeah. minutes, <laughs> which is not. Again, we probably had a. I don't think I'm talking out of school here. We we might have gone too far in that in that space there for one or two weeks this year. And that, but that again, you, if you're going to toe the line on certain things, and we we like to think you have to, mm-hmm. you're going to go over the line at times as well. So, um, but yeah, it's it's not an ambush. We it's always we like to think it's above the line, and and, and it's never personal. And and although sometimes when you're the focus of it in that moment, it's hard to realise it's not personal. <laughs> so, but you realise, and that's the other thing too. You, you've got to put yourself under the bus. I mean, not, not not choose to, but when your time to is to go under that proverbial bus, you've got to go under and you can't sook it up because I've seen, I'm not going to name names here, but I've seen a lot of people sook it up when, um, and, and I'm not saying I never have, but but I've seen people sook it up and think they're above, you know, having the, you know what, hung on them. And mm-hmm. I reckon if you're going to be in, particularly the Triple M style, and as, again, it's not for everyone, Max, and it's probably not the SCN style, but if you're going to be on, you, you've got to, You've got to be the butt of the joke or the butt of whatever it is for a period of time, whether whether it's factually correct or not. But <laughs> provided it's never personal, and and some look, sometimes it, it, the nature of it is received personally. Provided it's not delivered personally, I think you've got to have a pretty thick skin, and 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 you cannot take yourself too seriously. And again, in saying all that, I'm not especially saying especially on lighthearted shows. Yeah, but but even but but the lighthearted show is often the one that I think you know probably has potentially more issues in that space because of the acceptance and almost, um, you know, the, the planning for it, which, which can be 
dangerous at, at mm-hmm. times. And again, provided it's good entertainment, it's uh, that's the, that's the key because that's what you're there yep. for. There's no point doing it if that's not the outcome. But yeah, there's a you've got to wade through those moments and yeah, deal with it when you are copying it. And it's not easy when you know your next word is obviously on air too because you'd like to say something else at times. Yeah, absolutely. So. After obviously after trade period, it's been well known on the sounding board that you get fully immersed into the NFL. So, <laughs> yeah. so after after this trade period is seen and gone, and free agency seen and gone, are you going to the states this year? We talked about it last week, Hachi. We talked about it on air, and then I think we had a quick... to, to go to that that famous steakhouse, in, steakhouse. in New York with Hachi. Yeah, very. Very um, fortunate to be able to go there. When we do go there, a place called uh, Luger, L-U-G-E-R, Max, when you turn – actually, when you turn 21 in the States, you'll be able to go there. Not, not, <laughs> not 18. Um, yeah, that's in Brooklyn, which is just yeah, across the bridge uh, from Manhattan. Um, yeah, we, we talked about it. I don't, I don't know if it's going to fit in this year with diaries and logistics. And, yeah, so unfortunately it might be one more year of delay before we do it. But, again, as, as you seem to know, to me – the greatest form of relaxation for me right now in 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 my life is is to sit, find a bar in New York with the, the with nine different TV screens where the nine games that start at, at New York time one fifteen, it's heaven if you can find a bar with all nine on and uh, and and one fifteen kicks around with when nine games start. That's uh, yeah, <laughs> pretty, pretty small uh, small pleasures these days, Max. But that that to me is as exciting as it gets from from sports yeah viewing. It's it's certainly a relaxation anyway. So then obviously you're right. Almost all off season for the AFL, producing content, sliding doors, pretty much runs. Yeah, that'll run. I, I think I've got to, I, I, again. The ideas dry up, and it might be obvious to people it dries up early, early in some seasons. But I think we run that to roughly, well, certainly close of trade period. So yep. um, yeah, maybe a bit beyond beyond that as well. But it has a little bit of a reset. I have ten weeks off, and just to, for the record, Max, it just it's to, not twenty two weeks. It's not twenty two <laughs> weeks. Yeah, it's ten weeks off. I make sure I take them. I do make sure I take the full ten weeks. I think even a couple of times I didn't even recently, but I I will take ten weeks this year. But yeah, be back into it whenever it is. Um, you know, late January and 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 go hard and you know, for the time we do. Um, yeah, and and the trade period and again, Hutchy starting. I, I think before it's time that product trade radio. Um, and I I scoffed at the idea when he pitched it to myself and, and Terry Wallace at the time. And yes, yeah, followed up with him after you saying it was one of the worst ideas I've ever heard. As he to talk for, <laughs> as he he wanted to make it twenty four hours a day for I think a week in that stage. Um, as we've done, it's about twelve or thirteen and. There's so many people involved now. It's not. It's got nothing to do with um, what I have in it. But it was Hutchie's idea. Whenever it was, I think it was, might have been bef- the year before free agency. So maybe maybe 2012 period, 2011 even. Mm-hmm. I think it was when it started. And yeah, we. I remember we, he, he was still hosting it in those days. I made him host because I had no hosting experience at all to speak of. And um, we just started talking into some microphones, and then half an hour in, we threw a we threw to the callers and at that stage, I think we've been broadcast on crockmedia.com. Yeah. I think it was as simple as that. And then someone called in from somewhere and, I, and it wasn't, it wasn't a, a connection. It was a legitimate <laughs> listener and yeah, like, okay, there might be something in this. So that was one caller for one day. But then now you, yesterday, even when I was on with um, Stephen Silvani and Maddie Rendell, you don't even, you don't even call for callers now. And there's just six or seven. They're just, they're, they're just sitting there waiting you, you to come on. You don't even need a, Read out the number, pretty much. They just they're not, there. they've got it sitting there in their phone, and they want to talk. Yeah, and they are educated. That's the other thing. They're absolutely educated, and they've got ideas. And yeah, they're never too far fetched as to how the deals will will look. So I reckon the yeah the education of the trade space is, is something the public is absolutely well and truly in sync with. So what about if there's one trade that's going to 
take your eye, you know, obviously what caught my eye. If there's one trade that's going to take your eye this trade period, what is that going to be? If there's an unexpected trade, would that be a Tom Mitchell to Collingwood scenario? I reckon that happens. You reckon if, that if happens? I'm, if I'm just going to jump in there, I reckon that I reckon that one happens. Yes. Yep. I, I don't see Mitchell being at, at Hawthorne beyond the trade period, despite what the club keeps saying and despite him having a contract and despite him being a relatively recent Brownlow medalist. I mean, the, the new coach, Sam Mitchell, doesn't want to play him um, in the way that he won a Brownlow medal and that is part of Sam Mitchell's um, views on footy. It's also... I think another layer of shedding himself away from the previous coach in, in Alistair Clarkson, which was going on long before this most recent mm-hmm. issue that's now in the public domain in a very big way. But yeah, those two have got different views on a lot of things. And one of them is how the game, how Sam wants to, to be played compared with Alistair. There's a lot of correlation too, don't get me wrong. But yeah, when you've got a Brownlow medalist on your books who is still being able to get the footy as many times as he did in that year he won a Brownlow, but the club doesn't want him. Um, I think he'll be at a third club next year. Um, I believe it'll be Collingwood, yeah. Who are the other clubs in contention to pick up Tom Mitchell? Uh, I don't know of any. I, I, and again, reading between the lines, which you have to do in a trade period, that's to me where it's going to happen. Um, could it be a St Kilda who are trying to... Yeah, it could be. It could be, yeah. They're looking for maybe another on-baller. Obviously, they've got some young guns coming through. Marcus Winhager, he's done a great job this year. Lockie Neal and Tim Kelly kept him to four disposals. Yeah, it could be. Although you might mount the case too that to bring him in, it's it's not what they need most, and that they need, which is why they went after young Jordan yep. Goey. And and again, there's not, I mean, there's not many Degoeys, obviously. Um, so. But Mitchell's not a degoey. I mean, he's a, he's an accumulator. He'll get he'll get the ball if he's allowed to. And and then I think I think Sam Mitchell's taking the view, Max, for what it's worth. That Mitchell getting the ball thirty five times or thirty two times a game, which he would do in his sleep, is not going to benefit the Hawthorne. Hawthorne. And and yep. you could argue that because even near or around the peak of his powers, certain clubs were just refusing to tag him, even in that Brownlow Medal year. And and while he racked up three Brownlow medal votes. They, you know, our position clubs at that time were actually thinking it's not really hurting us in a way that's going to, you know, cost us the match. And, and now it did at times, but it, they planned for it to, you know, to be treated that way. Damo, what is your best advice? Just a final last question to any young aspiring journalists <laughs> like myself coming through at the moment to, you know, get into the industry. Um, one that you, I know you've got, Max, is persistence is, is one. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I, you've got to um, be diverse in your thoughts. I think too, if, if you've got, if you somehow get a, a foothold in there, just um, yeah, just continue to try and obviously become better at that that part of it. But to never ever shut the door on any other possibility, you know, of, of be, be it to go down a, a writing path or mm-hmm. be it to go down a broadcast path in a way that you may not have initially thought of. But yeah, the persistence one, um, and and to be clever in that persistence too. Like sometimes. Um, Sometimes just just making the phone call five times a day is going to get you further away. Yep. Um, being clever about who who you approach, how you approach, the time you approach. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not really one Max to to want to be giving life lessons because I think the only real life lesson is to go and is live it yourself. And and what I would say in that space too is what you're doing in 2022 is far different to what I would have done way back in the. As, as I said before, the very late 80s when I, when I first started. So, and, and there's not much correlation between the two periods apart from just the desire yep. to, to – got to work hard, obviously. And, 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 again, that's the thing we did touch on a few moments ago. Don't – even though people might think you do, don't ever take yourself – don't allow yourself to take yourself too seriously or, or don't – always make sure you have people around you 
who don't let you get ahead of yourself because you're going to at some stage. Yep. Um, <laughs> that, that's every, everyone does, and it, and it's a given. And you, I think you need to to have that aspiration, but but don't ever believe that you're any good at it. Always think you're you're not good. And there's, I think that's there's room to improve. Always have that view, yeah, because yep. there always is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Damo, thanks so much for joining us on Sporting Max this week. It's been an absolute honour to have you on. Apologies, Max, for uh, taking the time I have to get to this microphone to speak to you, mate. I've really enjoyed it. And, um, yeah, I have uh, seen what you've been doing and, and good luck with what it is that you want to end up doing in this space. Thanks, Damo. Best of luck with the off-season. Stay tuned, everyone, for some more Sporting Max. Thanks to Monday Distillery High Spirits, Clear Minds, Monday Distilleries, non-alcoholic beverages with all the spark of good and alcohol-free experience. And get them at Coles Local, 7-Eleven, and Dan Murphy's. Head to mondaydistillery.com.au. We'll see you soon. This is Sporting Max with Max Becker on SEM.